how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Both Vanessa Bayer and Jeremy Biller were involved with sketch groups at an early age. Working together at SNL, Jeremy as a writer and Vanessa as a cast member, the two eventually found their own lanes into comedy. In their latest collaboration, I Love That For You, the Showtime story follows Vanessa's character Joanna Gold, who overcomes childhood leukemia to achieve her dream of becoming an on-air host for a popular home shopping network. The series also stars Molly Shannon. In this interview, the duo talk about their time at SNL, why you can't be too exact or too precious in comedy, their mutual obsession with home shopping networks, and what it means to be ready for success. I started, well, I started uh, doing comedy in like early high school with friends. We had a cable access TV show previous to the internet. And our like our moms would drive us to the tv station and we would make sketch comedy every weekend since i was like 15, 14 or 15 so that was my start i don't know why i did it but just following some gut impulse i guess yeah i um i well i guess jeremy if we're going back to like grade school i was in a in fifth grade we were in a group called the bumper nickels what? Yeah. In fifth grade, we had a we had a teacher, um, Mr. Evans, and it was his first year teaching. And I think he didn't um, he like he kind of would let us do whatever we wanted because, um, you know, he was like a young new teacher and, and just trying to, you know, earn earn the respect of his students. So anyways, which he did. Um, we would like on Fridays and stuff, we would perform <laughs> sketches um, but then I didn't do it again until college. And then um, Jeremy's heard me talk about this so many times. Bloomers. <laughs> yes, bloomers. In college, I was in an all-female sketch comedy and musical parody troupe called Bloomers. And it was, I kind of did it because my friend um, Alex was in a comedy group at 
Emerson and she was a year ahead of me. And I was like, oh, that seems really fun. And then once I, once I joined bloomers, I was like, oh, this is, I kind of want to just do this for the rest of my life. It was so much fun. Yeah. My sketch group, we, we all went to separate colleges after high school. And then we got back together in New York after college and kept doing comedy in New York. And there's still some of my close friends, many of whom also do comedy still. Did you guys like naturally, as you were maybe experimenting with characters and writing for different shows and that type of thing, did you naturally find your own voice or your own lane in comedy? Like how might you describe that today? Do you see that you have a style or is it more of a combination of things? Um, I think for me, I, I like sort of enjoy doing comedy that's kind of subtle and weird. And I think that, you know, Jeremy and I met at SNL and I think that the reason that we always work together so well is because I think he, that's a lot of his sense of humor too, not to speak for you, Jeremy, but like, yes. I think we both sort of like, um, kind of getting into stuff that's like sort of, uh, that, that maybe someone wouldn't even really notice about like, uh, you know, just the way that people talk or the way that they act, that's sort of like unusual. I think that really makes us laugh. Yeah, like strange turns of phrase or <laughs> people who kind of can't quite create the right sentence. Yeah. Is it like overlap for us? I think that's clear in our work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vanessa, and I know you've done a little bit of everything on, on SNL. It seems like some of the stuff maybe you're most well known for is like when you kind of appear on Weekend Update. Did you find that as like a, a unique niche to get on the show more in the beginning? Or how do you kind of see the popularity of those little sketches? Well, I think the thing that's really fun about Weekend Update is that um, you sort of get to like do one character more than you would get to in a sketch. Like you get to really explore this one character you're doing. And um, I, I just always found it to be really fun. I also found like, you know, the hosts like Seth or Colin or Che, like it was really fun to play characters that sort of were like, were sort of like- um, Like interactive or- Yeah, interacting like with them and kind of like trying to make them laugh and trying to make, um, make fun make of them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause they're so fun to make fun of because they're, they're like sort of all like cool guys. So it's fun to do. Yeah. Just they're like, all characters in, in a way too. Like even yeah. though themselves, there is like a, there's a take. They're yeah. doing their weekend update characters. So it's fun to like go, go kind of like get in there and try and make fun of them or, or be made fun of by them. <laughs> was that like, was that the show that kind of maybe changed for both of you the and everyone's talked about the crazy work ethic you need to, to do a show every week did that change things for you kind of like on the other side how do you feel now about like the way do you feel like you're you're grinding as hard you feel like it's gotten easier how do you kind of think about it today it does feel like it's a little bit like like the gym or something <laughs> working there you just i mean you know you just um do it every week. And it's not, uh, it, I think what I took away from it and what still helps me is like the, the value of not being too precious with things. Um, it's cause it's really like woven into the experience there. It's like, if you have a great week or a great sketch, it's like etch a sketch next week, it's all back to back to back to one. 
Um, and same if you have like, if you don't have a great week, it's just like next week's another week. You just like move forward, move on, which I think can be ultimately maybe not to that degree, but can be like just a very health, healthy mindset for making other things too and anything creative. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I, I also think like, you know, it, it was always, I think like when you're at SNL, like you're just, you just have to like, you're part of this machine and you sort of have to like, you know, the hours are really crazy and stuff. And sometimes like we would be doing some of the pre-tape stuff and just waiting for like hours to like start filming or whatever. And that's just kind of like part of it because they're just doing, you know, you're coming up with this whole show in one week. So there's just like, it's just, it, there's just like craziness all the time, but it, it gets done, you know, but that's just part of it. And so I think then like for me working on other jobs after that, you know, like I'd be at something and they'd be like, I'm so sorry, we're not going to be ready for you for an hour. And I'd be like, that's cool. Like I'm used to waiting that long, you know, like it just, it makes you so patient in a lot of ways because, you know, the only, again, the only way to make that show in a week is like, is like the schedules are sort of like, you can't be exact about anything. You can't be just like Jeremy saying precious about the writing. You also can't be like super precious about your time because it's just like, that just doesn't work over there. So it just, it sort of makes you feel like you sort of become um, able to sort of work anywhere and do anything. I think. You get very comfortable with chaos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> while you're there i'm assuming there's a lot of sketches that don't make it on for various reasons some may just be that you know nbc can't say certain things i know jeremy that she wrote for a tim robinson show which seems like one of the furthest ends of comedy it seems like a show for people who love comedy it's it's so out there did you were you saving up things at snl or were you just kind of like backlogging or how do you think about going from nbc to netflix or something like that I mean, it's funny you mentioned that one in particular, because the way you set up your question, it's that is what happened on that show is Tim and Zach and I wrote a sketch at SNL together that didn't get made. And they went on to make it for their show and were kind enough to, to credit me since we wrote it together. So that was you know the extent of what I did for that show. But I, I think absolutely you. I still like we still Vanessa and I regularly discuss ideas that we wrote that never got on that we still are just very close to our hearts yeah it's like sort of heartbreaking when when the thing doesn't get on that you like love that you like know would have been really funny but it's just sometimes it's time sometimes it's you know they don't want to it, it just you just never really know like why things I mean sometimes you know but but you know like it's just heartbreaking when things don't get on and it's for a variety of reasons and you just, there's nothing you can really do about it, but it's kind of like what Jeremy was saying earlier. you learn to just like move on next week's a new week, you know? Yeah. And uh, your question, Brock, about uh weekend update is an kind of an example of this too, because Vanessa's character, Don Lazarus, the weather lady, uh, we, that's an example of, we wrote that, a few different ways for a few different sketches that never got on. And then it finally went on weekend update first. She was a, I think she was like a prosecutor and then uh, in a, in a trial and then yeah. a show host, which yeah. address. Yeah. But it didn't get on. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, we were like, Oh, there's no way we're going to get this on. And then our third to last show, we got it on weekend update. And then we got to do it our last show too. <laughs> and then we went back again. Yeah. 
Yeah. When you come on SNL, how important is it to know, you know, the history of the show or do you think the tone and comedy level and that type of thing changes so much every couple of years that it's not really super important to go back and besides maybe the really big things, you know, as far as like repeating and some of that stuff. I feel like they'll let you know, like if there's something you're doing that's too close to something that's been done or something, but you, you're so surrounded by the history of it that even if you don't know it going in, it's like, you know, that there's so much stuff kind of around the stages and, and just the way that honestly, the week, the week is run is very like the way it's always been. So you're sort of like immersed in the history so much that you, even if you don't, you know, know, like all of the former cast or you don't, you know, know all of the sketches that have ever been on the show, you're still, you're, you're just like immediately immersed in it. Yeah. And I think you, yeah, it's hard not to be conscious of the history and to celebrate it and to like feel part of it in a way that's fun. But I also think with each new, the show, one thing that's also very constant in the show is like, it's always changing and like new voices are always coming in and they always really value brand new things um, and things that uh, feel different and look different. And, and so, uh, that's a, that's another aspect of it. I think. Let's move to your new show. Where did the idea for, I love that for you come from? Well, I think for me, I had always wanted to do a show about home shopping because I was really into it when I was little. And, um, this is really wild. Jeremy and I, wrote together so much at SNL and we never talked about this, I guess. And then I, you know, we had both left SNL and I was sort of hoping to write a show about home shopping and, and sort of meeting with different writers and stuff like that. And then Jeremy and I had brunch and, and I was like saying that we were talking about like, what are we up to now? Like we'd probably been off SNL for a few months. And, um, and I mentioned this, uh, I mentioned that I'd been, I wanted to do a home shopping show for Jeremy. And he was like, oh, I have like an outline of a home shopping show that I've been wanting to do. Yeah. We were like, oh, we should just do this together. It's really crazy that we never discussed it at SNL, that we're both like so into this world. Yeah. And we both left the show at the same time too. So we were both kind of like sniffing out what's next. And so it really felt super organic. And then even before we had anything official lined up. We started, we just started working on it, just the two of us and building what we called our, our Torah for the show <laughs> of like all the characters and like episode ideas and stuff like that. And then we drove down to Pennsylvania to visit QVC as like a, re- a little research trip. And this was all like very much on our own dime, like not even <laughs> before we even, the, the show had no, like no producing partners, like nothing at that point. It was just the two of us like kind of, following our enjoyment of of the world of QVC. Yeah, and we got to take a tour of QVC and and it was just incredible and we got to meet these two like very iconic hosts that I watched when I was little and they were like they talked to us for like an hour and it passed in like 10 minutes because they're just like so incredible at talking and um it was just really fun to see like how that what a huge operation that whole space is too. Like I think we knew that it was like a big uh it was like a big industry or whatever, but we just didn't, I don't think, I think just seeing it was so impressive to us. 
It really hasn't been done except for maybe in that movie, Joey, a few years ago, Jennifer Lawrence, there's like a piece of it. How close is the pilot to what we see now from your outline? Was the whole, you know, um, leukemia story always there? Yeah. Well, we, we were, we were trying to figure out like what would sort of be my character's arc in this, in this show and everything. And like kind of what was her journey. And, um, that sort of came organically too. It, it's interesting. At first we were just like, let's do a show about home shopping. And then thinking more about it, we were like, well, maybe we could incorporate this story, you know, a, a lot taken from my own life of when I had childhood leukemia, which is something separate that I'd always wanted to do something about. And it's sort of it, putting it in there sort of really helped because I think, you know, just it, it, even if it's the coolest place in the world, just doing um, a show about a place, you know, you have to have the characters um, be on their own journeys to make it interesting. Yeah. And I think um, the, I'm trying to think of like the original outline, what that was like, there were definitely some different things, but that was always there. That was always what we had developed for a character. And we had some idea of the season at that point too, but I like, I'm thinking, I think in the original outline, it was never Joanna's like first day at work. I think in the right. original line, she had been working there for like three years and she was kind of feeling like. What's like, next? Or something. Know, like what's yeah. next, which was, that's a big change. I'm remembering. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Did it feel like, did it feel overwhelming? Cause it seems like the protagonist of having childhood leukemia there's automatic empathy, but faking cancer is a very, it seems like very difficult to know where to go with that. How did you, and not to like spoil the plot, but how did you kind of get past the overwhelm of that? Or was it pretty clear right away? Well, I think we wanted to have this character have some kind of, um, you know, to, to make it clear that she was kind of coming of age in a way and, and, and having her, having her desire be to like not be cancer girl anymore. And then having her just like not be able to get out of that felt very re relatable to us. Like on a, on a literal level, like I will say, you know, something that, that, um, that I thought would be fun to talk about was just like the idea of like, when I had cancer, I got a lot of attention for it. I got like out of a lot of things for it. I got a lot of things for it. And, and that was like, really, it, it, that was like the fun part of it. And, and I think that like, whenever anyone is going through something like Jeremy, we, we felt like that was so relatable because Jeremy was saying like, you know, when, when he's been through breakups or like, like anything you're going through, that's difficult, you get this special yeah. treatment. And then what's that? That's exactly the same as cancer. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> but anything difficult that you're going through, you get this special treatment. And then once that thing is over or people forget about it, you sort of miss that special treatment. And we thought that would be, um, we thought that would be as much as like what my character does is pretty crazy when she tells that lie. It also felt relatable to us in the sense that like, you just, you just want people to like be nice and give you special treatment. And, and when you're used to getting that, it's really hard to let it go. Yeah. And it became also an exploration of like, what are your labels? How do people look at you? How do you label yourself? And what are the, what are the good things that gets you? And also how does that hold you back? And it was like a really interesting question for us to pose like, well, what if this person from a very like kind of damaged place did this awful thing that maybe you could understand why she did it, 
but then to naturally follow the progression of that, like it is a very awful thing to do. And so it did necessitate as we're breaking the show, like awful things will happen as a result of it, you know, but the balance of like, she's also like this person who we also hope to understand that like kind of strange gray area to us was exciting to explore and was like part of what makes the show interesting. Did this make the show more difficult to pitch? I mean, it's, you've got a couple of different things going on that are really unique to what's on television right now. There's nothing really else exactly like this, but how hard was it to pitch with the, the cancer elements? Um, I think it was actually fun for us to pitch because we felt like um, we felt like it was a fresh kind of take on uh, on cancer. Like not to say, I know that's a, <laughs> sounds like an insane sentence, but just the idea that like, we're not necessarily talking about cancer in a, in like a super dramatic, upsetting way. We're, we're really talking about like, you know, people and how, and how these different experiences affect them and, and what they kind of like try and get out of them and everything. And, and so I think for us, the, the twist of like that, this character actually misses the time when, you know, not necessarily everything about having cancer, but the treatment she got from it, from other people um, is, I think it felt like fun for us to kind of um, pitch it and, and have that twist be in there. Does it help that it's partially based on a, like your, your own life and, and even like the fact that it's live TV and you're on SNL, it seems like there's other overlapping areas. Does that help with getting a show in the air? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously this is something that I can speak to from having um, been sick as, as a teenager. And so I think that, you know, that certainly helps, but I also think, you know, Jeremy and I, we really, um, we really saw parallels when we went to QVC and when we were thinking about writing the show, because it is live TV. um, And it is like, you know, there's something really exciting about that. There's something really scary about that. There's something just really fun in that world um, that felt relatable to us from working at SNL as well. Yeah. And I think there was something that makes it, you know, having experienced live TV together, even, you know, it does make it, you're able to write from a place of authenticity and it feels very easy to write it. I mean, cause you know it. So it is like in terms of the pitch and in terms of, you know, who we are bringing a show, it's like we did, I think there was that aspect of like, we, we kind of know what this is, you know. Was there anything you felt particularly difficult about it? Cause it does seem, I mean, it's, it's more than comedy. I know you guys have both done more than comedy, but does it, does it need to have kind of both to be on Showtime? Showtime's maybe more comedic in nature than HBO in some occasions, but where do you kind of see this in terms of a, a genre piece or does it need to not be a genre piece? I don't think we've really approached it from that angle. Although like, I think, you know, I, I would be pleased if it didn't quite fit into an exact genre, but, but I think one thing that, was really important to us was just that it had real laughs and like was really actually very funny. And that's, that's been like a real guiding force for us as we have written and shot each episode too, is just making sure that it's actually just incredibly funny. And in terms of where it fits in on Showtime and the 
the kind of network of all of it. I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I uh, have thought about it that way yet. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, you mentioned um, having some people you were fascinated with on QVC. What were those initial conversations like with Molly Shannon? How were you kind of describing this character? Were you adding kind of some of the things she's known for into the character as well, or does she come along later? What are some of those aspects? Well, once we found out that we got her uh, for our cast, it was like she really did like shape the character quite a bit. I mean, I think we always thought of Jackie, the character of Jackie as being this very like kind of like exuberant feminine kind of like fun, um, like woman who can just like talk and talk and talk and talk. And then, you know, having Molly, who's who's so expressive and so much fun and so such an incredible actor, but also so incredibly funny. Like we just, once, once we knew we had her, it, it definitely was so easy to write to her because she's, she's so like dynamic and she's so, and you just like think of things like as you, as you're writing things, you just like think of her saying them and it makes you laugh. I mean, she's so incredible. So I think, um, I think we, once we knew we had her, we really wrote to her and, um, and she just like picked this up, like this whole world of, of being a home shopping host, like so quickly. And um, it was really fun to see her um, really like form that role. And she's so easy to write for. I mean, not only because she can like sell and do anything and make it so like layered and believable and beautiful and hilarious, but also because like you can kind of you can kind of channel her and she's just, she's such a singular person that you're like, if you just kind of channel her and think about her, it just starts to come, you know? How did you guys go about creating the other like QVC or, you know, QVC type host? Did you look at people that are already out there? What type of personalities there are? Were you also factoring in how they're going to influence your main characters? how did you kind of think about some of those things? You know, we had a really incredible I mean, we built the characters in the at the pilot stage and in the pitch we had several characters but really like when they really came to life and got fleshed out is with our really incredible writers room and i think there i don't think there was necessarily like an exact order of operations but we spent many months writing the show and kind of weaving everything together and figuring out who influences who and who's kind of what's this person's thing and you know keeping each person unique, but feeling like they're in the same world. And yeah, definitely we, you know, throughout the process watched a ton of QVC as we had previous to it and, you know, things seep in and you kind of like, you have send ups to things that you've seen on TV. And so there's some of that stuff in the characters too, but I think it's all a, a, a mixture. And we wanted to sort of make all of the characters be going through their own journeys. And, and it was fun to think about, yeah, like pe people like from from all different parts of our lives and, and characters and things from our lives and, and just like thinking about what would make these characters sort of um, interesting to watch and also maybe not necessarily people that you've seen before. Right. We'll just do maybe one or two more. I think we're coming up on time. So I'd like to kind of ask if, if you guys were starting today, um, how might you break in or get noticed? Or if you were to go back and give yourself advice early on, particularly in, in writing, what kind of advice might you give? I mean, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is there's a, you know, if you're trying to get a job or you're trying to work on another show or you're trying to, you know, get staffed or something or trying to sell your project, there's there can be a 
pull toward like writing what you think other people are looking for or like writing what you think people want to see or want to hear or emulating something that's already out there. But I think the biggest thing you can do for yourself is actually commit to what you want to do, what makes, if it's comedy, what makes you laugh the most, even if, you know, it's, even if it's not being asked for, it's like developing your own thing and figuring out what you want to do and writing that and creating that is I think the best thing you can do for yourself. Cause that's all ultimately what people want to, they don't want things they've seen before either. Yeah. And I would say to just be like, if, if there's something that you want to do to like have, you know, write for that, write, have your writing materials ready, be writing, writing, writing so that like when those opportunities come up, you don't have to like come up with something in the moment. So that you have, you know, be ready for, I honestly be ready for success and have that, you know, have, have your writing done so that when those opportunities come up, you're ready for them. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.